Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. Love the way your guys' products looks. Can't wait to get my hands on an under-21 sugar weasel, even if it means I'm going to have to deal with a lot of bullshit given I live in California. Thank you for your time. Keep making kick-ass products. Rock on. Oh, you guys must think you're real funny on the offer in that Blue Force gear bag in uh, pink, huh? Good morning, it's the drive-in once again. Today's topics, uh, one, about optics. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, my views and opinions for what they're worth based on my experience and what I've seen. Uh, number two, hunting with short barrels. There's so many misconceptions to that, and I love getting the questions and the feedback from you guys on this, because what it does is really show me what I believe to be true, because, you know, I'm living in my own little bubble here, but trying to engage with all of the consumers, potential consumers, lovers, haters, people in the industry on topics like this, and the misunderstanding of short barrels or ballistics or what's necessary to hunt, um, you know, to, to kill animals reliably, um, there's so much bad information out there. So I discussed that in my experiences in hunting with short barrels. Uh, the third topic, well, I guess there's two. QD sling swivels and why I hate those and we are trying to do something different and better. And, oh God, they suck and I hate them. So just take a listen to that. And then uh, a touch on the under 21 rifle that I've discussed some um, via social media that we're doing for, you know, you dudes that are 18 to 2364 days, trying to do something special for you, um, show some love, and to get into a few details on that. So take a listen, send your questions or comments, um, especially if they're funny. Good morning. So this morning, I want to discuss optics for Q firearms in particular, but really it probably applies to any and all firearms. Um, optics are important. I mean, you even see optics now being sort of commonplace on sidearms, handguns. Um, so I'm gonna start with the Honey Badger and then go to the fix. So the Honey Badger, Sugar Weasel, whatever, small little compact gun. I always get the question, red dot, or magnified optic and there's an absolute answer and there is no answer that is correct um, I like both I have both so what I do is I have a honey badger and I have a spare upper for it um, I guess that's a luxury of owning the company but I like both for different reasons um, so we'll start with the red dot. And when it comes to the red dot, people ask me which one to get. And it's really kind of personal preference. I like the Aimpoint Micro because it's small and compact. Uh, you don't have a big field of view with that. And what I've found over time too is that is a wonderful, wonderful optic. Um, but when it's a single dot, dot, the target acquisition is not as fast. 
And this isn't, you know, some theory-based stuff. This is from my experience and the experience of those that shoot a lot more than I do, um, you know, that shoot people for a living, that kind of stuff. I, me and shooting animals and hunting a lot, uh, I like the red dot. The aim point is wonderful. The battery life is superb. Uh, this, you know, and you can adjust to very low. So if you're in low light, it works good. You can go to a night vision setting, which is wonderful. Um, you can make it very bright. So if you're hunting at noon or, you know, midday sometime, uh, you can still see the dot. So those are all great things. With EOTech, I don't like that it's bigger and heavier. I do like the one, two, three batteries. I also very much like the um, the reticle or, or the dot scenario in it where they took it from like the you know fighter plane where you have the circle and the dot in the center it is faster on real targets um, animals stuff like that I like it better for pig hunting for that reason and you also get the the settings um, to where you can go with night vision or very low light or midday or whatever. So that's all cool. And those are great quality. Um, I, for a long time, used the Aimpoint Micro. Now I'm on the EOTech. Um, I don't like that it's bigger and heavier. I do like that I think it's faster and you have a bigger field of view. So for running targets, that's better. Um, and then also I have a little, I think it's a Trigicon MRO or whatever theirs is called. And it seems great too, honestly. Um, I like it. I like any of those. The less expensive brands are the ones that are made in China and stuff predominantly, like the SIG or whatever those other ones are called. Um, I don't know. I don't really screw with them, so I don't have an opinion on that. Now, with that being said, that is if I'm shooting like pigs or shooting inside of 100 yards. If I go over that or I'm hunting something else, deer, bear, whatever, and I like the idea of having some additional magnification. I don't like the add-on magnifiers. I've tried to use them a few times. I don't like them. They get big and heavy and there's just a lot of stuff that can go wrong it seems like with the mounts and um, I've just never gotten used to it. They probably work great for some people. So you could have a red dot with the magnifier but I really like the even the Night Force 1 to 4 but a 1 to 6, 1 to 8 currently I use the Swarovski 1 to 8. I'm waiting on the Voodoo 1 to 8. Their 1 to 6 is real nice. Um, there's a lot of companies. You know, Willpold's got a nice 1 to 6. Um, uh, who's the other company? There, well, anyway, there's several. Um, that magnification range is very nice. I like magnification if I have the time to use it. The downside to magnified optics is that they're larger. They're typically going to be more expensive. Um, you can forget that you have it on eight power and you need to shoot something that's, you know, 20 yards from you and you can't find it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I forget to dial down a, 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 at least once a year and that happens. Um, so th those are some of the issues with magnified optics. The battery, it usually uses those little CR2032s or whatever they are, the little flat batteries. They don't last for shit. Um, my Swarovski 1 to 8 that I hunt with, I like a lot. It's super lightweight. It doesn't have a lot of the military stuff, um, which I've talked about in the past to, you know, be able to pass a lot of military trials. So, the, 
you know, I guess that's a downside for some people. To me, it's just like a huge weight savings and they focus more on the glass and the dot. The dot in the Swarovskis is awesome. Um, mine, there's two pre-settings where you can have a low light and then like a bright light setting for the dot. Um, and those are adjustable. Uh, it, it doesn't burst like the dot doesn't to where, I, I don't know what you call that. I hear it all the time and I forget, but where it just uh, uh, bursts and it's, the, the dot gets big and it's not a little round circle, whatever you want to call that. The Swarovski does the best job I've seen with that. Um, the glass is obviously super nice. Those scopes are expensive. But what I found is when I get a scope that I like, I end up having it for on my like hunting guns for, for five years. So, you know, if it's a couple thousand bucks, I don't worry about it that much because at the end of it, I still can like sell it for a thousand bucks and I've used it for five years. So, um, that's just sort of the way I, I view that. I really like Swarovski. I get a lot of stuff for free. I do not get Swarovski for free and I still buy it. Um, so those are kind of the pros and cons. Um, I don't know that there's a right answer. I think mostly people aren't honest about what kind of shooting they're going to do or they want to look tactical or whatever the situation is. So they don't always make a good choice in an optic. But those are the things that I stick with for the small guns. Um, now with the fix, this, these are different questions. When I shoot long range, I think I'm like everybody that does it. I want all the magnification I can get. So in one, I have a, two fixed rifles. One is uh, has a Voodoo 5 to 25 that I'm trying now on it, and I like it a lot. Um, you get a lit reticle, which is important to me because I also use those for hunting, and, and now I'm in my mid-40s. I don't see in super low light as well as I did 5 or 10 years ago. So I, I like being able to have a, a dot or, or something that's lit in the reticle. Because, you know, in hunting, especially deer hunting, you know, most things come out, they're out when it's very low light. And um, sometimes it's hard if it's a black reticle to find, find it on the animal. So the, the dot or the reticle being slightly lit is wonderful. Um, that, the Voodoo 5 to 25 is the glass seems great. The, the clicks are great. Um, it's tactile. You can feel it. I like the optic a lot so far. Um, I love 25 power, especially in a package that small, and it's relatively lightweight. You know, um, whether it's Voodoo or Willpold or any of these companies that, you know, Voodoo is EOTech that chase the military stuff, um, they're going to take all that stuff into consideration. So I just go into it knowing it. Um, the downside to this scope so far is a little heavier than I like, even though for scopes in its class, it's relatively lightweight. Um, but it doesn't compete weight-wise with like a Swarovski or something that's geared just for hunting. But of course, the Swarovski, if I'm using it for shooting long range, um, you know, I like the knobs and adjustments and stuff on the military-based scopes like the Voodoo or uh, Willpold. Um, and there's several others. I'm not these are just ones that I use the most, but there's so many great scopes out there and magnified optics. You know, all the German and Austrian stuff is really great. There's some other U.S. companies that are good. I just don't have experience, so I don't recommend them to people. Excuse me. So, um, 
the downside of the 5 to 25 for hunting is I want to go down to less than 5 power. Um, and 25 is awesome, but if it's a hot day, mirage is an issue, and you can't use the scope past like 15 power anyway, so the last 10 power is kind of wasted. So I would rather um, be able to have a lower power for that situation. But for target shooting, I like it. Because, man, if I can use 35 power, I'm using it. I, I don't know. Some people seem to get kind of snooty about too much magnification or you don't need it. Like, that's so dumb. Like, you need every bit of magnification that you can legitimately use if you're shooting a target. It's going to make you better. It doesn't make you worse. Um, another, um, the other... Well, I guess I have three scopes in the fixed box. Um, one is the Leupold Mark VI 3-18. I love it. It's great. I use uh, Horace Reticle the H59 in that, and I love that. The difference with it and the H58, for those that know, you just get a little dot in the center um, on the H59, I think is mostly the difference. Um, I, I learned to use the Horace Reticle, and I like it a lot if I'm shooting long range. Um, you know, also like dialing. And, and I can get mixed up either way. So um, I, I learned when I started learning long range shooting, I learned on the horse reticle. So it's probably easier for me to adapt than guys that learned, you know, dialing first. Um, I think if you have time to dial, dialing's probably always best if you cannot get lost in the dialing. Um, but you can also get lost in the reticle. So uh, there's that. The downside to the 3 to 18, it's super lightweight, but it's not lit. There's no dot in it, and that kind of sucks for me for hunting. So um, there's nothing that lights up to give me a, a little extra shooting light. Um, so I don't like that. Uh, so I have a Swarovski, I don't know what it is. I think it's a 2.5 to 15 or 2.5 to 14 or 2.5 to 16 maybe. Or two to 16. I don't know. It's in that range. I love it for hunting. The scope is longer, but it's lightweight. Um, and the dial on it, the, the top turret, the knob has this little feature where colored dots where you can set for every 50, 100, 200 meters, whatever you want. Um, like when you get your dope at distance and you can set the dot to where you just dial to that dots, dot. So it's a visual thing. It's fast for hunting. Um, it works great. I used it in uh, Africa recently, um, and I love it. The downside with it, and it's got a, a dot in it, which was helpful, because the magnification would go so low that I could use it relatively close, like within 25, 50 meters. So I think it's a two power. So um, I could turn it way low and turn the dot on, and it worked great in that scenario. Um, it's a very clean reticle in that one. That's a very fine reticle. So not great for probably, you know, necessarily for you guys that can go out the range and shoot steel. But if you want to hunt, it's my favorite right now. Um, and those are the ones I use. Uh, like I said, the Swarovski's a lighter weight. And I like that. Um, it's a long scope. And I think mine, I don't remember if that one's a Z8 or a Z6. It might be their slightly older generation. So I don't know what the new one is. They change their stuff almost every year for hunting and all. Um, so there's, or it seems like every year, it's probably not. But 
So there's a lot of generations, and a lot of times it's slight differences, like the turrets or the power range or something, but it's not really a technology change. Um, so I tend to skip a generation with those. Uh, once I get used to it and get a gun set up, I don't like to change it that much. Um, I don't. Only other thing to say about this stuff is I don't like the throw lever mounts for my guns. I, I just use, you know, if it's an Allen or a Torx, I like that torque it on leave it i mean that's not a giant tool to tote around with you if you need to remove something for some reason or on the fix I, I like one piece mounts if you can get them that aren't too big and heavy and uh you know just bulky and that kind of stuff because the fix is such a lightweight gun with that being said one of mine has a one piece mount the other i love uh jared Jopp on american precision arms i love their rings they're super lightweight and very strong um, I like those. There's just some, there's some discussion if you use separate rings though, if it kind of torques, um, bends the scope to some degree. So a one piece mount is better for that. And like I said, if you do it, I, I generally stay away from all the throw lever stuff. I mean, there's some people that have success with it. Um, whether it's even, you know, the, on the honey badger or on the fix, um, I, I don't, I don't particularly like it, and I don't use it. Um, not to say that they're all bad, but it usually just adds parts, more things that can go wrong. If it holds it tight enough on the rail, then you can't even usually use it as a throw lever. Um, so it just makes sense to torque it into place and leave it to me. But also on the Honey Badger, like I have a Surefire light on mine. A lot of people have asked me recently. I always have lights for my guns. I don't always have them attached, but I hunt a lot, so I always have them. And I think there's several companies making great lights now. Surefire is just for 15 years has given me flashlights. So I use those. Whatever they give me is what I use. Um, I, I don't go seek out the, you know, the best, newest, greatest light every year. So I'm not a good source of info on that. But there's a lot of people that are. Um, you know, I, I spend more, pay more attention to the thermal and night vision and that kind of stuff. Um, Huey Outdoors is a great place. Todd Huey of Lone Star Boars. He's distributing night vision now and thermal. And that's a great place for guys to go and look for that stuff. You're interested for a thermal scope or a night scope for hunting or shooting. Um, and he is someone on the civilian side of things that has so much experience with him. He's a great source of information and he's a great guy. He, he won't steer you wrong. Because there's, I mean, it's surprising, but there's thermal and night vision that's quality and useful that fits into just about every budget now, or it wasn't that way 15 years ago. Um, so that's another thing. You know, one thing he convinced me on, I used a lot of inline thermal and night vision in the past, but it gets big and heavy and bulky, and he just convinced me for, like, pig hunting with the honey badger and AR-based gun, you know, especially if you're going to build an AR. They're, they're, you know, you can build one relatively inexpensively. But uh, to have a, a night setup to where you use a night, just a dedicated um, night scope or thermal optic on the gun, and you don't do the inline stuff, and you just always have it set up, um, that was good advice from him. So that's mostly everything I can think of for, for optics. Um, you know, watch some YouTube videos on how to level your scope and all when you mount it, and you know, which way to bias it on the 1913 and all. Uh, pay attention for that. And make sure you have your scope rings and 
mount and your top rail torque to your gun before you go shoot for accuracy. Seems obvious, but trust me. Good morning. So hunting with short or long barrels. Um, man, it's 2019. You do not need a long barrel to shoot accurately or to hunt with. Um, there's several reasons. This, this mentality that you need a 28-inch barrel or 24, 26-inch barrel to hunt um, is just silly. If you want to shoot very far, a longer barrel is helpful just for velocity. It's not more accurate. A shorter, stiffer barrel is going to be more accurate. Um, a big difference that we, well, the big differences that we have over years ago Number one, you can do a pistol brace now. So you can even go shorter than 16 inches if you want to. And believe it or not, it's effective for uh, traditional cartridges. Uh, 308 in a 12, 13-inch barrel can be very effective and a useful uh, hunting tool inside of a couple hundred yards. Uh, you just have to select the right ammo. So the pistol brace and being able to go with a real short barrel is one thing. Uh, ammo, bullet selection, and loading is... The second thing, that's evolved a lot the last uh, 15 or 20 years. Um, bullets have gotten a lot better. Uh, the loading has gotten better, and they're loading ammo for shorter barrels, which is good. Um, so they design the bullets for hunting to expand. Uh, so they design them to expand at certain velocities. And so over time, that can be altered, or you have a larger window due to technology, you know, R&D of the uh, bullet companies to where you have a larger uh, velocity window. So your bullet doesn't have to be going, you know, 2,200 feet a second to expand uh, w once you shoot an animal. So that's pretty cool. For instance, one thing I've done with short barrel 308s over the years is the, for instance, I really love the Barnes 110 bullet, 30 caliber bullet for 300 blackout. You know, it's a 308 bullet, but it's designed to open at the slower velocities of 300 blackout, and that's part of why the cartridge is so effective, you know, especially in supersonic. So if I'm shooting a 12.5, 13.5-inch 308 barrel, which I like for hunting sometimes, I load a full-power 308, but with the 300 blackout Barnes 110 bullets. And now I would probably use the, um, well, I would still buy the Barnes bullets, but once Remington started loading their ammo, uh, it started to suck, so I no longer use their loaded ammo. But Hornady did uh, their solid copper, which I like solid coppers a lot. Um, they did theirs, their GMX, I think is what they call it, GMX. They did a 110, and it's it seems to be just as effective as the Barnes 110. It's very good. Uh, I think Makers is another company that makes a good 300 blackout projectile. So if you want to shoot uh, short barrel 308, you can load them like this. Or there's ammo available. The Hornady Tap 110 is great. Uh, also, their lead bullets, the ED, uh, ED, no, ELDX, is uh, a good bullet that you can load. And, you know, it, it also expands at lower velocities, uh, which is good. For we went this year, so if you order a fix this year in six five Creedmoor, you no longer get a twenty two inch barrel. You get a sixteen inch barrel, which is incredibly short for six five Creedmoor. But I mean, be realistic about your hunting. How many people are shooting animals five, six, seven hundred yards away? 
<clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, it's not too many of you. And I use the short barrels whenever I know that there is not a very good likelihood of me shooting anything at distance because the gun's just so handier. Uh, in and out of a vehicle, if I'm at a ranch or a farm, or sitting in a box blind, uh, just in general. The folding stock is nice. Having the short barrel is great. Um, using a shorter silencer for hunting just to where it's uh, hearing safe. And just having a compact package. You know, I like to sling my gun. If I'm going to hunt from a, a, a tree stand or a climbing stand, I like to sling it and have it with me rather than, you know, tie a string to it and pull it up. Uh, so, another, you know, that's another reason where short barrels are handy. Um, you know, you can't, if you, if you hunt a lot, you know, and I know at my farm, I, I have some places where I can shoot hundreds of yards. And at the same time, I have some places that are both stands where I can only shoot maybe 50 yards. So I'm not taking a long gun in there ever. Uh, and even in the box blind, they get two or three of us in there, you know, it's kind of a social hunting event. And you have to open a window, get the, the barrel, your muzzle out the end of the or out of the blind. Every time there's a somebody is in there with a 24 inch barrel with a silencer or 20 inch barrel with a silencer, you know they clank it on the inside of the blind. Um, they're just not very handy. But you know we've got the the fix coming out with a pistol brace and a short barrel. I think it's going to be 12 and three quarter inch barrel, something like that. Maybe 13 and a half. So for 308, and then also um, our new cartridge, 8.6 Blackout. Uh, and the 8.6 Blackout and a 12, 12 and 3 quarter inch barrel, I mean, that's an inside 300 meter gun. Uh, you don't need the longer barrels. So stop buying 24 inch barrels, and these companies will stop making them. Just like, you know, people going to the store, Remington offers a gun in a certain setup, yeah, that maybe was good for your grandpa when he was going to put iron sights on it so the stupid stock fits him. And then he's got a 24-inch barrel so his nozzler partitions will expand. Um, it's just not the way it is anymore. Trust me. Shorter barrels. The 6.5 and the 16-inch barrel, which is pretty short. Um, those bullets, the ELDX bullet from Hornady, which is incredible. You can buy the ammo loaded commercially for maybe a dollar twenty-five cents around. It's incredibly accurate. And out of a sixteen-inch barrel, the bullet still expands at five to six hundred meters. So you know if you're shooting inside one hundred and fifty yards or whatever, what the hell are you doing with that extra six inches of barrel? You put a silencer in its place. Um, so yeah. I guess that's it. Stop doing dumb shit for dumb reasons. Good morning. So, this morning, QD sling swivels and the appropriate option and the under 21 rifle. So, I get, at least within the last week or two, tons of questions about these things. Um... I hate QD sling swivels and or mounts. Uh, they suck. They're the worst. I just responded to a guy right now and said they're the high point of sling swivels or sling mount-ing apparatuses. Apparati? 
because um, they're loud, heavy, and they suck. Uh, tolerancing the things, if you want to put a stop in them, is a real pain in the balls. Installing them sucks. The flush cups, for that matter, there there is 20 different companies making the sling swivel themselves, so the tolerances are all over the place. Um, they're not reliable, and and just like I said, they're loud, heavy, and they suck. Um, I can't stand them. And if I were asked what are the two biggest mistakes we made in the Honey Badger and the Fixed Rifle, it's probably including the stupid things. Um, if any of you look back to the old AAC pictures of the Honey Badger when Ethan and I were there, you notice there is no QD sling mount. There is paracord attachment. And the group that wanted that gun, ordered it, and I wrote the program with, um, there was no QD sling mount requirement in that. It was paracord. Um, because paracord is strong, it's light, it's reliable, and it's uh, quiet. Sorry. Got distracted. Um, yeah, so, you know, like the, unlike the high point, loud, heavy, unreliable, and sucky, uh, paracord is not those things, and you can find it anywhere. I know Edgar Sherman is using paracord in his sling. Um, I've seen, uh, what is the other lightweight sling that I've seen that uses paracord? I'm sure there's a lot now. A uh, sling that we're doing in conjunction uh, with Black Point, where we designed this thing called a sling devil, uh, but it, it uses paracord to attach. Just, It's just reasonable. I don't know. I, I look at the QD sling swivels is like those uh, those wheels that keep spinning and spinning and spinning. Uh, whatever the hell those things were called. That's that's what I <laughs> and I used to live in Atlanta, so I saw that shit all the time. But that's what I think of when I see QD sling swivels. So we're gonna go away from those. So when you ask why in the future, you already have your answer right now. Um, it makes the gun heavier. It makes it rattly. Uh, the QD cups are difficult to make and install and be reliable with everyone's QD sling swivel. Because now you have this epidemic of all this airsoft shit from China showing up in the market. And, and, and you know, it's getting harder and harder to tell the difference until you start to use the stuff. And so do you want to buy a two or $3,000 gun and a $3,000 optic and have your 17 cent sling swivel from China for your airsoft 416 giveaway and let your uh, gun fall three feet to the ground and you know Smith and Bender optic bounce off the concrete uh, don't do it so with that being said the under 21 rifle the under 21 rifle <laughs> was uh, a concept you know, it's kind of a marketing concept. You know, I, I love the young folk. And I have, you know, the Seacoast Skate Tigers, my skate crew. And uh, so I stay connected and cool with the young peoples. But seriously, talking with a lot of guys, a lot of, there's a lot of guys that, um, you know, out of high school, early college, uh, into shooting, hunting, and they're just more active on social media. I get it, especially Instagram. So I get a lot of messages from them and, um, I got love for you. I appreciate you. 
So I know I realize our guns are expensive and it's not, you know, so I can buy a new Lamborghini. It's just, it's expensive to do stuff the way we do it. But I love the idea of the support that we get from the younger crowd. So I came up with this idea that was vetoed by legal, which was the back to school special. And you had to be 18 to 21, 364 days to buy the gun. Um, but we decided not to do that. Um, however, we are going to do, or are doing, the 18 to 21 gun. And it, it's keeping several things in mind. If you're under 21, you can't buy the Honey Badger pistol. Because this pistol, you got to be 21. We no longer offer the Honey Badger 16-inch gun. That was a deal we did for, uh, I think it was Cabela's. It was one of the big box. Uh, thanks for the support, Cabela's. But I didn't like the idea of the 16-inch. I shouldn't have done it. I did it. Um, you know, it wasn't really like the true spirit of the honey badger. Um, I sort of lost my way for a minute. And that's what I'm saying right now. It doesn't mean, again, I reserve the right to change my mind later this morning. That is the way I feel about that. Um, and two, originally SB Tactical didn't want us to do our own pistol brace. So, or that option was not readily available. There may be some debate between Jeff Creamer and I as to that discussion. However, he's probably right, and I remember it incorrectly. But once we had the ability with them to do the pistol brace, the 16-inch gun no longer made sense. What happened was there were a few people that complained, and some of it may have been state laws, and I don't care about that. But, you know, one thing that was brought to my attention um, were the young folk. And, you know, that sucks for them. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't skate with anyone, I think, that's old enough to buy a handgun. Um, but these dudes love our company, too. And, and the dudes that are 18 to 21, they want uh, um, a Q product, and, and there's really not an option for them. Um, so, the under-21 gun is a sugar weasel with uh, a Magpul stock and a 16-inch 223-556 barrel. Um, the Honey Badger, uh, what is that, a 12-inch handguard on it? The gun's freaking awesome. The gun weighs 5 pounds, 10 ounces, 5 pounds, 12, 14 ounces, somewhere in there. It uses the Magpul SLK stock in um, the gray color that is similar to the Honey Badger stock. Uh, just like the Sugar Weasel, it's clear anodized, so you get the gray handguard um, and the gold-colored receivers. Uh, so everything on the gun is clear anodized because it's the best. So if we start at the back, we have receiver extensions that are... It's an M4 receiver extension um, that is clear anodized. Uh, we have a mil-spec charging handle that is all clear anodized. We have forged upper and lower receivers, uh, mil-spec, well, to some degree, that are clear anodized. And I say to some degree because a lot of you have noticed and you comment that we removed the forward assist, and we did. And we didn't do a new forging where there wouldn't be a forward assist. We machined it off, and you can still see some remnants of it there. Um, normally, I think I would hate that, but the original Colt LMG which they did this open bolt gun that was real cool. Um, 
with a big heavy barrel and those didn't have forward assist because open bolt gun and they had the still had the original one still had the charging handle but they didn't have new forging so they machined it off and I have a couple of these and I always thought it was so cool where you could see to me it was like part of the R&D and the concept and you know I can imagine these guys at Colt that are designing building this gun being like screw it hack off the forward assist we don't need it and you know we've got to get these done we're not going to wait for a forging this program might not go anywhere we're not going to do a new forging and I think later um, they did do forgings that don't have it and and that may be the nine millimeter receivers and I believe the first Colt nine millimeter I've got five or six of those guns uh, the machine guns and those I think the early versions of those also have the remnants of the forging um, machined off with the forward assist the reason you can't get it off you can't really match it because the forgings there's a really big tolerance range on the forgings maybe like 35 thou or something so if you try to match it like the surface you know you're going to get some small percentage of them pretty clean but then you're going to have some exposed on others uh, where you could tell the forward assist was there so what we decided to do was just have it where you can always tell it was there just kind of a consistency thing um I get that some of you don't like it. I guess my response is, you know, I did it for those reasons and I don't really care. I mean, no matter what we do, there's some people that don't like it. I don't get caught up in it. You know, once a week I get somebody that says, hey, the honey badger's too Gucci for me. Can you buy it? Can you do one in black for me? Like, take your fancy ass to Novesky. They have guns they paint for you that are awesome. Um, no, I don't do that. We pick one thing, we do it. We pick what we think is best. And, yeah, it's not for everyone. I totally get it. We can't produce enough guns. So um, everyone is welcome to support the industry and also by going other places. Um, anyway, from there, we do not... Right now, we're using the Geisley two-stage whatever model the trigger is in the Honey Badger. We went away from AR Gold. We just couldn't get enough, and they don't always fit in the mill spec receivers without modification. Um, so with a lot of the vendors, um, we have a very strong engineering uh, presence at Q, and we try to work with a lot of our vendors that supply components. Um, you know, like in the Honey Badger, there's Radian, there was AR Gold, there's Magpul, and occasionally something isn't quite correct for you know mill standard receivers to drop into everything it's just maybe it's a small thing that that we could fix and re-engineer something like a trigger is a is a much bigger ordeal but we work with them a lot of times and do engineering for free just because we need the parts and we don't want to go and make a trigger or a charging handle you know and ultimately we're probably going to have to um but we don't now so we switched away from air gold to the geisley trigger um i like it you know, there's some trigger slap with some of the AR goals in some conditions too, which I didn't like. Um, I like the Geisley pretty good. I like the AR goal pretty good. <laughs> Excuse me, but we needed more to produce more guns every month, and that drove the decision to go to Geisley. So for the sugar weasel trying to keep the cost down, you know, the poor man's honey badger, when you don't need, you know, the, the fancy expensive little stock and, and all these sorts of things, we went with a standard uh, receiver extension. But we also went with the ALG trigger because it's far less expensive. Um, they're 
they're available. Sometimes the Geisleys aren't even available. But um, they do a much better job of delivering in quantity, but it's, it's still not completely under control. But the ALG is a super nice trigger. Um, it's far less expensive. It, it's available. Uh, moving forward on the receiver, the Honey Badger, uh, on the, or on the Sugar Weasel, well, on there too, we use the uh, Reptilia Grip um, and not the Magpul Grip like on the, the Honey Badger. Um, the Reptilia, that company, the designer and, and owner, one of the owners, uh, was one of the designers. Is He and Ethan and I worked on the original Honey Badger. So he designed the original grip that was a more vertical grip. It's a larger diameter. It looks just like the grip he's doing now. And uh, we printed that, and that was on the very first prototype Honey Badger, which you can see pictures of on the Internet. So he made that grip. So we've put it on the Sugar Weasel, and I don't know if it'll eventually end up on the Honey Badger or not. I would assume it probably does. Um, but also Magpul made that K-grip that comes on the Honey Badger in the fix for us at Advanced Armament for the Honey Badger originally um, so that we wouldn't get in the... You know, AAC was hot at the time. Magpul was smaller. They were hot. They did not want us to get in the plastics business. So when we printed a grip, um, they decided they were more than willing to make a little grip for us. Uh, so that was a, probably a smart move on their part, and we appreciate it. And so I still use the grip today. Um, and theirs, they just copied the uh, copied. I, I don't mean that to be derogatory, but it's... Um, the Magpul K-Grip that comes on our guns is just from uh, H&K from their uh, burst trigger pack guns or navy trigger pack guns, if that's what they're still called, where you have an ambidextrous selector. Um, it's that grip. Uh, so the Sugar Weasel and the Honey Badger both share the 1 in 5 twist, 300 blackout barrels with adjustable gas block, same 6-inch handguard, tapered muzzle, cherry bomb. So the under 21 gun is a 223, 16 inch barrel, a reasonable profile. It's lightweight, but not pencil stupid. Um, you get the adjustable gas block, the carbine gas system, an impingement gun, um, the tapered muzzle in half 28. So you can use a cherry bomb that's tapered or any uh, other tapered muzzle device. Silencers, the six silencers are the same. So once you guys turn 21, you can get a silencer and put on there. You don't even have to go QD. You don't have to worry about it ever coming loose. The taper provides you with alignment, uh, all those good things. Um, and if you want to put a, you know, a, a traditional muzzle device with a 90-degree shoulder on there, um, you can totally do that. Uh, just buy our taper adapter, 90 degree ta or shoulder adapter off our website before you put a different flash hide or muzzle device, you know, silence or anything like that on there. Um, let's see. I, and I don't know if these will be a permanent thing that we do or a temporary thing. I mean, I, the, the Sugar Weasel, like, we questioned if anybody would even buy it. I don't think all of us did, but some of us did. Um, you know, we did it because we just can't produce enough of the honey badgers. We can't ramp quickly enough to maintain quality and uh, satisfy all the consumers. So the Sugar Weasel is an easier product to produce just because it has a lot more common parts-ish with the uh, standard ARs. 
Um, the bolt carrier group, the triggers, the receivers are not all that different. They're not all billet like the Honey Badger ones. And the stock is obviously much easier to do. Um, you know, we end up changing it some, of course, to do the clear anodizing. Um, and some people like it because it gives you the look of the Honey Badger, but it's just a better finish. And then we don't have to worry about the blacks matching because you, your black um, ARs, that's really like just dark purple. And sometimes, that's why sometimes they look a little purple because um, they don't get it quite dark enough. And for you guys that have the Sugar Weasels, or, or you're looking at considering the under-21 rifle, super appreciate your support. Um, you see some dings and stuff, some imperfections in the receivers occasionally. Um, really just about on every one of them. And that's from the forging process and everything for the most part. But they're in all forged receivers. It's just the black color generally disguises it better. And the clear, they just pop out like a sore thumb. Um, you know, it's just kind of part of the process. And, you know, we try to explain it. Uh, I think we put it on the website. But, you know, that's the reason why. And we've had a couple people mention that once they get the guns. And, yeah, there will be a, a ding or you see the imperfections in the uh, forging process that ends up in the, in the eventual product. Um, that's just part of the game with the forgings. And we can paint them black and you probably never notice. But, so, you know, when um, a guy at the office brought this up when he got an email about it the first time, we just showed him, you know, and this kid's familiar with ARs. We show him, you know, half a dozen black ARs. A Colt, um, a Noveski Forge Lower, etc. And it's like when you look closely, oh, yeah, it's the same. You just don't really notice it when it's black. Um, so I guess that's about everything. Uh, the the under 21 gun may be a, a one or two run thing and it may stay. Uh, you know, the concept again is to have uh, a Q firearm for guys that aren't 21 and because we know most of of you at that age you know you're in college you're not making a lot of money it's going to be at a significant discount and that's part of the reason uh, you have to prove your age uh, to buy one you, you know it's sort of um, just a shout out to you young guys and um, you know show you we appreciate it and and not have you be stuck with you know whatever spikes tactical or griffin armament or daniel defense or something um so anyway hope that maybe clarifies some things and appreciate the support Team on, team on, team on.